It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. We are all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at ShalomKlein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at ShalomKlein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you won't want to miss. It's a live show. You can call into the beautiful AM560, The Answer Studio here in Elk Grove Village at 312-642-5600. And remember, we are powered by our good friends at Tandem HR. They are our solution center. Um, they have a fantastic new website with great resources, great information all available on their website at tandemhr.com or you give them a call 630-928-0510 630-928-0510 and indeed it is a jam-packed week with a lot of fantastic guests some fantastic people entrepreneurs business owners lots of advice for all of you loyal listeners and we are a, we are Streaming live on Facebook. Check out my Facebook page. It's Get Down to Business with Shalom Klein. Um, so I'm thrilled to be joined by my good friend and returning guest, Nellie Rowan from A Safe Haven, a fantastic organization doing amazing, amazing work. But I feel bad because it's been so long since I've had you on the program, Nellie. I can't wait to hear what's been, uh, what's been going on in your world. Nellie Rowan, welcome back to the program. Shalom, it has been a while. Uh, it's nice to hear from you. I'm looking forward to having this conversation. There's a lot going on that I can't wait to share with you. Absolutely. Well, uh, I see your name everywhere, and I know that you have uh, been up to some fantastic work. But for our listeners that have not yet had the good fortune to be involved in a safe haven, let's start with an overview of, uh, of the history of the organization, when you got started, and most importantly, what you do. Um, okay. Uh, well, we'll start from the beginning. Uh, you know, A-Safe Haven is uh, today uh, known, uh, thankfully, for being a vertically integrated model, which basically means that we help people that are in crisis, shalom for whatever reason, you know, whether it's a woman that's in a domestic violence situation and needs a place to go to start over with her children, uh, whether it's someone that's suffering from substance abuse disorders like the opiate epidemic or the heroin epidemic that we're hearing so much more about. You know, A-Safe Haven's been really at the tip of the spear of that issue for over 24 years. And at the time, as we saw the surge in these substance abuse disorders happening, you know, we were voices in the wilderness back then saying, hey, there's a lot of problems out there with substance abuse. And, you know, recently, you know, we know more about the root causes of that. A lot of it, again, having to do with painkillers and people switching over to heroin. And, you know, it's just a terrible ripple effect. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, ACP even is a place that whether you're, you know, suffering from some type of social, economic issue uh, and you need a place to start over, ACP even is that place that at the end of the day gets an opportunity to assess you physically, education-wise, work history and socially, and we're able to really design a path for you as an individual 
And we start from the beginning. If you just need a, if you need a roof over your head, you need three healthy meals a day. That's available for you and your family. And after that, everyone's really different. I mean, some people need treatment. Some people need uh, GED classes. Some people need job training. Some people can go straight into the computers and go online and start playing their and own And that's job what I love about the work that you're doing is that mm-hmm. um, you found a solution and, and, it, and you've been providing resources for people at all different levels. And what I've always been amazed, and I know, Nelly, you know this because I've come out to tour and, and see the programs in action, are the social enterprises that you've put in place to help people get back up on their feet. And, and now that I mention it, hopefully people will start to see uh, your, your vehicles and, and frankly, your, uh, your participants and your, and, and, and your staff out and about throughout the city of Chicago and beyond. But let's talk about some of those social enterprises that a safe haven has been involved in creating. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we learned a long time ago. I remember we started this 24 years ago. There was one thing to help put people's life back on track. But if you got them into treatment and you got them into job training, you got them into GED classes, there was nothing we can do about the barriers to employment that they had, such as, you know, maybe having been arrested or having had gaps in their resume uh, at some point. So, and financial, you know, credit <laughs> didn't check out. Uh, so we have businesses, and the one you were just referring to in terms of the trucks is one of our most famous. It's the landscaping company that is well-known for doing the beautiful medians on Michigan Avenue and, uh, you know, along Congress Expressway. And those people that are doing that work are, you know, basically people that are in our programs or alums from our programs that are learning a new job skill, that are in, back in the workforce, getting that work ethic back, and uh, we employ over 100 people every year, and that's in the summer. In the winter, we do snow removal. Uh, so it is a transitional job or it's a career, depending on the individual, but it's a great way to get people back into the workforce, get them back in the game of working and earning an income. So they do make money while they work for us, and while they're working for us, we give them financial literacy. So that's one of the businesses. Another business that uh, people know and, and use uh, is our catering business. You know, we have a culinary arts training program. So we actually employ people in our catering business. And one of my favorite businesses really is our talent resources company. Uh, you know, people that are looking to hire people in construction, uh, in uh, the restaurant industry, in the welding industry and manufacturing are coming to ASPC even to find people that are really ready and vetted and, you know, uh, you know, motivated to go back to work. So uh, last year, Shalom, we placed over 1,500 people uh, back into the workforce. And that's a wonderful thing because when you take people out of the system and, in, you know, from being in crisis, they cost us a lot of money when they're in the system. Getting them back into the workforce, expanding our workforce and expanding our tech space helps everybody win, especially the employers that are looking to find people that are motivated and eager to, you know, not only uh, get a job, but to stay on the job and perform and you know, build their, you know, lives back. Well, Nellie, I love the proactive Mm -hmm. approach um, that you've been engaged in. And and I've watched it uh, over the past number of years. uh, As many of our loyal listeners know, we've had uh, Nellie Rowland on the program several times. And it seems that each and every time that we talk, there's more progress. So in our few minutes remaining, I just, uh, I've been uh, keeping track of some of the recent developments. I know uh, recently uh, you had uh, Dr. Ben Carson, the Secretary of 
uh, of housing and urban development come out and visit. Uh, I know you also had a fantastic, uh, I, I don't know what number year this is that you've been doing it, but your, your, uh, your run or walk, uh, depending who you are. Um, so I wanted to hear about the outcomes from that and, uh, and most importantly, uh, make sure that our listeners know how they can get involved and what they can do uh, to help. So uh, tell me a little bit about the run or walk. <laughs> Well, the run was a great way to really uh, announce a lot of big things that were happening at AC Keevan. And thankfully, although it rained that day uh, and it rained heavily that morning, I couldn't, I was overwhelmed by the turnout. Uh, one of my favorite things uh, was seeing the uh, military platoons that showed up. We actually had Army guys and active uh, Marines come out and run and sing in cadence throughout the race. And we put them in front, you know, and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, these military guys, you know, were amazing, you know, because so many of the homeless are military veterans. So it was a beautiful thing to see them help us, you know, and join the fight against homelessness. So uh, to answer your question, it was a huge success. It was our eighth annual, and we're already looking forward to our ninth year. And, uh, you know, we did make some announcements. We had some uh, major, uh, you know, leadership, you know, at the stage, including, you know, Alderman uh, Joe Moore, you know, chair of housing, Alderman Diegas, the chair of, you know, the Veterans Caucus, you know, and also having Representative LaShawn Ford there who helped champion a bill that we got passed to allow for private health insurance to cover the uh, the cost of discharging people coming out of hospitals into our programs. It's a brand new thing. And then we had the lieutenant governor there, Sanguinetti, who was also, um, you know, there for our announcement to talk about the 1115 waiver, which is going to allow for Medicaid to cover the cost of discharging people into our programs. So as people are suffering from the opiate epidemic today, most people get sent back home to self-care. And, you know, we know from experience that much, much more is needed on the back end to help people learn how to live in recovery. And then finally, you mentioned Ben Carson. Uh, ACP even is extremely honored and proud to have been selected as one of 17 Envision centers across the country, which means that we are now a demonstration project for HUD to help people uh, that are in crisis, people in public housing, go to a place that's going to help assess them, as we do for everybody that we serve. Uh, but in the case of people that are in public housing, help connect them to the right services uh, so that we can help put them back on track into affordable housing and into jobs. And uh, not only are we going to do that for the people in public housing, but also for the general population. That's fantastic. And by being in an Envision Center, it's going to be with the support of 21 federal agencies. So, Nellie, you're doing uh, amazing, amazing, amazing stuff, and it's a privilege to showcase them uh, again and again, and I can't wait to have you back on real soon. Um, for our listeners that want to get involved, asafehaven.org, asafehaven.org. Donate, support, volunteer. You're listening to get, to get Down to Business. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, Chicago. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I'm thrilled to be joined by Ron Lewis. Um, Ron was the student body president at the University of Illinois, and he is a recent uh, College of Business graduate. And Ron, uh, you are, I believe, 23 years old, and you are uh, making a substantial difference. Um, I'm thrilled to be joined once again. Ron Lewis, welcome to Get Down to Business. Hey, how's it going? I'm fantastic. So Ron, um, as I mentioned, you recently graduated from the University of Illinois College of Business, uh, and tell me sort of your journey. Uh, you've uh, you've 
you started uh, teaching, and now I believe you're down in St. Louis. But tell me a little bit about your story and how college has prepared you for this journey. Yeah, awesome. So, I mean, for me, basically, when I was a senior at the College of Business, you know, I think one of my main things that I was trying to do um, when thinking about my job right out of college is just thinking about where can I make the biggest impact? You know, I was in finance, so I think everybody kind of assumed that I would be going into banking or something like that. But I always kind of had a passion for, like, helping others. And, you know, my mom was a teacher for 30-something years, so I think it just kind of made sense for me. Um, you know, Teach for America started talking with me about my senior year. Um, and then I just kind of decided, like, hey, this is probably the best thing for me. Uh, so now I'm in St. Louis. I teach at Normandy Middle School. And, yeah, it's been a good experience. That's awesome. So uh, your Teach for America stint, uh, how long uh, will you be doing this? And tell me uh, a little bit about your first uh, sort of destination on the journey. I believe St. Louis is part two. Yeah. Um, So basically, uh, it's a two-year commitment. So, you know, I started, this is actually going to be in my second year. Um, And then, so, I after I got finished with my first year, I, I decided to do an internship in Chicago uh, with the Academy Group. It's an education startup, um, really awesome. Started in 2017. Um, so I was able to learn a lot. So kind of going to my second year, I'm kind of going in with a different focus with everything I've learned over the summer. That's fantastic. So uh, when you teach, um, you're, you're a young man, you're 23 years old. Tell me a little bit about uh, sort of the the perspective that you have going into the classroom and what values you're trying to share. And in particular, I mean, you're, how that College of Business experience uh, taught you and, and prepared you for, uh, for sharing, educating, and being, frankly, a role model. Yeah, that's a really good question. So, I think for me, the main thing that I, I was able to learn from the College of Business and stuff is that it's okay to kind of branch out and create your own legacy, create your own story. Um, and I think that that's something that's really important for our kids to, or at least my kids to really get, like the narrative. Um, and then, of course, like my identity just being African-American male, I think that that's also important um, because there's not a lot of African-American males in education, um, in the education field. So. I think what I try to do every day is just really show them that the possibilities of them being able to get whatever they want if they work hard. Um, I know um, when it comes to like teaching, when it comes to being a student, I think one of the main things that I try to implement or like try to tell students is about self-efficacy. You know, the fact that what you do, it really helps the community and it really will make a difference, but you have to work hard. Um, so I think that that's something I also try to instill in them is that even though you might not be able to see the results now, you know, you really will be able to make a difference in your community and in your family's lives if you continue to work hard. So you're uh, teaching so much more than math. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, it's really important um, because these my kids really need um, an opportunity to just have relationships with, you know, older males sometimes. A lot of them sometimes don't have that, you know, two-parent household that, a lot of us have been privileged to grow up in. So I think for me, um, it, it was exactly what you said. I think if I were able to just teach them math and, you know, if they were to grow a year or two years in math and then that's it, I feel like I would have probably failed as a teacher because I think that they need much more than me. They need, they need a lot more from me than just math. You know, I need to be able to build relationships. 
I want to be that type of teacher they can go to if they're struggling or if they just want to talk. Um, so for me, of course, like teaching them and instruction is really important, but I still want to um, build relationships, and that's a huge priority to me at the end of the day. I'm blown away and inspired because you're uh, you're a young man, and you are. Uh, that's a lot of pressure that you've taken on yourself to uh, to be that role model. Um, and you're really uh, while you're setting out that journey for yourself, you are also. Uh, being that role model and that, in many ways, father figure to uh, to many of these uh, young uh, young men and women, um, which is just amazing. So obviously, it's it's Sunday evening. It's August fifth. Um, tomorrow's a uh, important day on your calendar, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. Tomorrow's the first day of school, so you know I'm stressed out, <laughs> which is pretty much every everyone's first day. You know, jitters and and vibes, but you know I'm really excited to kind of get in the classroom and start again you know i'm teaching seventh grade math again um and you know I'm, I'm feeling prepared but i'm also feeling like i don't know what's going on so probably in the average spot of most teachers on their first day <laughs> well you know uh i from getting to know you a little bit i i think you're going to be uh more than just fine uh frankly uh your students are very very lucky to have you so uh so, Ron, you, uh, again, you recently graduated. What's, what's, what's your plans for the future, and, uh, and, and what, where do you hope to be in five years from now? You're a College of Business graduate. Um, you're, you're certainly giving back to community. What's next uh, for, for Ron Lewis? That's a really great question, uh, specifically because it changes by the day. <laughs> um, I think what the main three things that I'm really passionate about um, that I really want to hit before I retire and like I'm done with working is, you know, I love education. I love politics and government. That's what I you know was able to do in college and in finance. So I think for me, um, I think I'll always have a hand in education. I don't know what that might look like. So I don't know if uh, it'll be teaching you know, working at an education startup was amazing this summer. So maybe in that role, like being able to supplement like the traditional education that kids have. Um, so that's definitely an option. Um, but I want to potentially uh, go back to school, um, potentially get an MBA. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I want to be able to kind of hit all of those fields before I'm like done working, you know. Hopefully, I want to be able to find some way, maybe on an entrepreneurship level, a way to kind of connect all of those, all of my interests into one job. Now, I don't know what that looks like, but, you know, I really think that those are the three things that I'm passionate about. And if I work in those industries, I think, you know, I'll be able to make an impact. Well, you know, uh, Ron, I say this all the time, but I think that uh, many people in uh, in business, they sit and they prepare a business plan and they, they, they plan and plan and plan. And by the time they're done planning... Um, sometimes months and years later, they're out of money and their uh, and they their their mm-hmm. patience has run thin. I think what you're doing is you're putting uh, your, those skills into action, and I'm feeling um, the uh, the next steps will uh, will just keep coming. And as you said, the plans will change by the day. So you graduated um, from uh, from a fantastic school, from a fantastic program, and mm-hmm. no doubt your uh, classmates, your colleagues are likely doing a variety of different things, hopefully uh, many following the same path as you, um, but uh, quite a bit of variety. Do you stay in touch with uh, your classmates? Absolutely. Um, I would say that everybody's all over the place, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, group needs that I have and um, a lot of people that, you know, I've been able to cross paths with that I do try to at least talk to from time to time. It might just be Facebook, you know, it might just be messaging, but you know, I really try to keep up with as many people as possible. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a 
kind of harder to keep in touch with people after you graduate, but um, I still try to do the best I can. Oh, that's that's awesome. Again, um, we're chatting with Ron Lewis, uh, graduated in the uh, 2017 class at the University of Illinois uh, College of Business. Uh, you were the uh, student body president. Now, uh, teach about to start teaching tomorrow um, in St. Louis, and and we are uh, we are certainly inspired and proud of the work that you're doing, Ron. Um, when you're back in when you're when you're back in Chicago, or perhaps when I'm out in St. Louis, I I look forward to getting together with you. But uh, thank you on behalf of everybody for what you're doing, and and have a great year uh, uh, of teaching of school. And, uh, and, and stay in touch with us and let us know your accomplishments. We'd love to profile them here on the program. But thanks Absolutely. for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Get Down to Business is powered by our friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. You can find them online, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510. And as mentioned, um, we are streaming the show live as we do uh almost every week um, on Facebook. So if for whatever reason, one week you are not in front of uh, your, uh, your radio, you can like our page, Get Down to Business with Shalom Klein, and you can keep track of the program. Also follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein so you don't miss a moment of the happenings of Get Down to Business and all of our events and programs that we have coming up. Uh, once again, you're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We're going to be returning after this quick break and these headlines. Don't touch that dial, Chicago. You're listening to Get Down to Business. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I'm thrilled to be joined by Vicki Oliver, who is a career consultant who has written five best-selling books, including 301 Smart Answers to Tough Interview Questions. And Vicky, indeed, that is a subject that I talk so much about on this program. I've been looking forward to uh, to our conversation. Welcome to Get Down to Business. Me too. Thank you very, very much for having me on your show. Absolutely. So uh, often, um, many interviewees make uh, some faux pas or social slip-ups that hiring managers should consider red flags before they either continue the interviewing process or even extend a job offer. Uh, Vicki, I'm sure you have seen it all. What are the most uh, outrageous examples? I would say the worst of all of them is if the interviewee arrives late. Whether it's one minute or ten minutes late, it's a really bad sign. It's a red flag, and I would not hire that person. Absolutely. So um, you're, what you say, in uh, again, in your most recent book, 301 Smart Answers to Tough Interview Questions, you, uh, you urge employers to pay attention to, to poor interpersonal skills as well. Um, and to view them as a warning sign, um, even when credentials are impressive. So you're saying look beyond the resume? I am, and here's why. The interviewee should be that person on their best day. So if that person wanders in five minutes late or has a weak handshake or won't look you in the eye, it's a terrible sign, and I would say don't hire them. Uh, interesting. So what sort of things should an employer look for beyond these, those sort of, again, very, uh, very easy examples to spot, like showing up late or, or that handshake or perhaps making, uh, well, let, let's on the, on the positive and the, in the proactive side, what can, an, what can and should an employer look for? 
I feel that an employer should look for somebody who really wants to work there. And the way that that interviewee can show that is by showing up on time, looking the person in the eye, wearing the right clothes for the job, and having researched the place so that the person is enthusiastic to be there and has tons of questions to ask and just is you know, gracious and wants to be there. Because that would show that they actually had prepared and that they are confident, of course. So, Vicki, um, what sort of uh, attire do you think is, is appropriate? Is there a one-size-fits-all solution? Well, there's not one-size-fits-all in terms of clothing, but this is what I recommend in my book. Go on the website, look up the company, see what their employees are wearing, and then vow to show up looking 25% more polished than you would need to be were you already working there. This would show the interviewer that you respect that person, that you respect his or her time, and also that it's you on your best day. And what about, you mentioned that handshake. Um, how should somebody prepare? What is, what is an appropriate handshake? And I realize that's a hard question to answer uh, via radio, but, but what is a good handshake versus a bad handshake? I would say a firm grip, but you don't want to clench that person's hand. You want a firm grip. It should be two seconds. You look in the person's eye and, you know, smile and say, you're happy to be there. You know, thank you for having me. Something like that. And by the way, I don't feel like these tips are superficial because it turns out that people make up their minds about other people in less than a minute. Oh, I don't so think it's superficial at all. I, I, I think that these are incredibly important. I know yeah. how quickly I judge people um, right. all it's day long. 30 seconds. That's right. That's right. So the handshake, and you just did a brilliant answer. Um, I, I never expected to have that visual um, uh, uh, sort of effect on, in, in your radio answer on, the, on that initial handshake. But what about body posture? How can somebody uh, make a good impression and how they sit in a chair and how they conduct right. themselves? Right. So if you are enthusiastic when you walk in as an interviewee, your, your posture is going to be upright. You're going to have energy as you walk down that hallway. And bear in mind, you get off the elevator, you shake the person's hand, you look the person in the eye, and by the time you've reached that office, they've already made up their mind about you. So all of these little tips are ways of quickly showing an interviewer, I belong here. And if the interviewee is not giving you these tips, it's a way for the interviewer not to say, you know what, this person doesn't belong here. Sure. And are there any tips that you would have for an employer um, to notice whether a single blunder might be excusable or if it might be a sign of more trouble to come? Well, I think that if somebody is so nervous that he or she just is jabbering nonstop as they're walking down the hall, I think that's a bad sign because I think then that person becomes the office gossip if you hire them. That's, that's your office gossip right there. They just can't control themselves. You know, they're just so nervous. I also think endlessly fidgeting is a really bad sign. Or if the person just shows up and they're dressed for something else, you know, like instead of being dressed for the interview, they look like they're going to go running later or out on a date later. Absolutely. So uh, what a fantastic bit of advice. Once again, uh, chatting with Vicki Oliver, the, uh, the author of 301 Smart Answers to Tough Interview Questions, 301 Smart Answers to Tough Business Etiquette Questions. And uh, what we just discussed are uh, some of the 
uh, social blunders that spell trouble in interviewees. Um, Vicky, can you share your website real quick where, where oh, people sure. can find it? Sure. Uh, my website is Vicky, V-I-C-K-Y, Oliver.com, and there's a lot of information there, and my book is available at Amazon and bookstores and other places where books are sold. Extremely helpful. Vicki Oliver, thank you so much for joining us on Get Down to Business. Can't wait to have you back on real soon. Hey, welcome back. So uh, I don't know about you, but when I have a bad uh, customer service experience, I talk about it. I talk about it with people that I uh, bump into. I talk about it online, on social media. And frankly, I would encourage you to do it, um, to share those experiences, A, to recommend positive experiences, um, but also to report on potentially negative experiences as well. Um, so I uh, I recently uh, had to use a, uh, a software and, uh, well, I tried to use the software and it did not work very, very well. So I actually, I, I contacted the company, was not successful in reaching them right away. And what, uh, ended up happening, it influenced my thoughts on customer service. Not only did I receive, um, some interesting comments because I talked about it, it ended up having, uh, in, it, it inspired numerous things that, uh, that occurred. Um, in my business life as well. So I first struggled with um, a billing and customer service issue with, again, a software that I wanted to use. And uh, I decided to write about that experience. And it indicated my relationship with that provider. I made the decision not to mention that software company directly in the post um, that I, uh, I shared online. Um, because frankly, I think that the issue applies to many uh, companies and many experiences as well. Once again, that was on my blog, shameless plug, shalomkline.com. That's where you could download podcasts from Get Down to Business. And I talked a little bit about that experience. You could find it on my website. But on social media itself, I actually did tag that company, um, both on Twitter and on Facebook. So uh, it happens to be that somebody that I do some work with easily identified the uh, the company, um, why? Because, well, they know me and they know my business and they know um, several clients that are having similar problems. They ended up getting in touch with um, with somebody at that company on my behalf. And what happened was it's that true networking journey and true networking experience. Um, they have had many email correspondence and phone conversations with uh, somebody at that company and sure enough, I got a call directly from a director from that organization. In that initial conversation, they told me that um, the content of my blog was shared with the executive leadership and with all of their support teams and their support managers. As a direct result, they said, it's populated about three meetings on my calendar. This is what this uh, director or vice president shares with me. And I'll probably populate a total of closer to 20 or 30. Isn't that amazing? That my little post and my uh, talking about that experience actually resulted, well, it started with a number of meetings, which doesn't necessarily impress me. What did impress me are the changes that occurred over time, the tweaks in literally the technology of that platform, as well as their how they handle that customer service experience. At this point, what I know to be true is that I was being billed for a product 
um, that uh, that that actually paid attention to my uh, to my needs. So the key takeaways for me were that number one for consumers, you want to share your story with as many people as possible. You need to fi- you need to find that catalyst within the organization that's dedicated enough, inter- interested enough, smart enough. And willing to take the time to truly listen. And I may be a an optimist over here, but I do believe that most companies, no matter how small or no matter how horrible their reputation may be, I truly believe that there is a catalyst and that there is that person within every organization. And for providers, your customers know things. And remember that your customers know uh, they have knowledge and it impacts the growth and the health of your company. So start listening. You may find out that the phone system is defeating the the efforts of the support team, creating an increase in angry customers and users and losing your business. So pay attention to what you might you might see. And I guess that's an important lesson is spend the time researching, spend the time looking online to see what people are saying about you. It's not that hard on social media to do that, to look yourself up, look up your name, look up your company name on Facebook and Twitter. I am almost willing to guarantee that no matter how small your company may be, These days, people share, and that does not just mean a restaurant. Restaurants, I think people tend to get very emotional about their food, and yes, they post on Yelp and all those other sites. I think when you have a law firm, an accounting firm, a many other businesses, people are sharing their experiences as well, and uh, and your customers, as I said, they know things. But um, as a consumer, please do share that information because, frankly, you're doing a service to other people, but you're also allowing companies to improve, and uh, and you never know where that solution, where that catalyst will come from, where that connector will come from that will help you along in that journey. It will actually solve the problems because, after all, isn't that what it's all about? It is about solving problems. Nobody wants to have a bad experience and just post about it and rant about it. I, I know some people that like that. I, I tend to believe that most of us are looking for a true, real solution uh, to their problems and actually wants to help companies improve and, frankly, want an improvement to their experience. But as we say, three strikes and you're out. If at some point you don't get a response or at some point you've posted enough and you've shared enough and you're not getting the solution that you need, by all means, at that point, you look for another provider. But give companies a chance, share your experience, tag them. Again, I posted about my experience without naming the company on my website. You could see a little bit of the tips and the advice that I shared over there. And hey, while you're at it, you can also download podcasts from Get Down to Business. Um, Once again, that website is shalomkline.com. And by the way, on my website, I also share... Uh, about my upcoming trip at the end of February, we are going to Thailand. So if you want to come along with fellow Get Down to Business listeners, that trip and all of the itinerary and all the details are posted on that website. We are powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. Check them out online, tandemhr.com, or give them a call, 630-928-0510. We'll be right back on Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. So I'm joined now by the author of a brand's new book, Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for a Promotion and Start Selling Your Genius. Heather MacArthur joins me now. Um, 
And uh, Heather, you are uh, you are talking about how to stake your claim in today's career wild, wild west, the five unspoken rules of today's new workplace. Uh, Heather, it sounds like things have changed quite a bit, haven't they? Uh, yeah, they, they have. And I think for the better, even if it feels stressful, it's, it's actually for the better for everyone, I think. Interesting. So uh, for our listeners that are out there and they have uh, they've been working and perhaps they're looking for uh, that sweet new job where they can finally build that long term career. Um, what do you have to say uh, to them? What advice can you share? Um, I actually say stop waiting for the perfect job to build that long-term career. And I I like to say think like a business owner and what business do you want to be in and who are your customers? And and that might be one company as your main customer and you set up shop underneath that umbrella, uh, but really focus more on what do you like to do? What service do you like to provide? And then, you know, who's who's in the market to pay for that for a long period of time? And I, I think that sometimes helps people uh, really get the work that they enjoy doing versus getting too caught up in, in one company or another. Well, I love that entrepreneurial message. And I know that um, I, I know that you uh, talk a lot about how to tap that POP, purpose on the planet. Um, how how can people identify what uh, what one's true career calling is, regardless of what they may have gone to school for? You know, I I just ask people to kind of back into it a little bit differently. Most people go, what do I want to do for a living? And what I ask them is, you know, what do they want to do with their life? What do they want to experience? And how are they going to, what would be the ideal way that work can help make that possible? So it's not, your purpose isn't necessarily your work. Your work is usually serving that. And maybe a large part of what you want to do with your life is connected to the work, but it's still, at the end of the day, what do you want to say about your life? And what should work be doing to help you do that? So, Heather, um, you uh, bring uh, over 20 years of experience in helping employees um, uh, create fulfilling career paths in what we just talked about, that ever-changing work landscape. Again, Heather MacArthur, uh, you wrote that book, Loman on the Totem Pole, Stop Begging for Promotion, Start Selling Your Genius. And, Heather, does this do, does the advice that you just shared apply to folks of all career levels? Absolutely. It's for the unemployed, it's for the underemployed, and it's for the fork in the road people who um, you're really just looking for either that next chapter or what do you need to do next. It's really about how to run your career like a business owner should uh, instead of waiting for some company to lay out a career path for you. Uh, really, really important. And I know in the book you talk uh, quite a bit about the uh, the top tips that turn resumes and interviews into success. Is there one that stands out for you that you can share with our listeners that perhaps as they go uh, out, uh, whether they're, uh, frankly, whether they own a business or, or whether they're looking for a job, is sort of that, that level of confidence that they can project. What advice do you have to share for them? Yeah, I'll, I'll say two quick ones. For the resume, to not just list what you've done in terms of these are my responsibilities, because I don't know if you were good at it or not. Instead, in those bullet points, describe what you did and what the impact was. How did that change the way that the business ran and for the better? On the interviews, to treat it like a two-way date because a lot of people go in there begging for the job and kind of it comes off desperate versus, look, you should, if you value what you bring to the table, you're also examining, is this the right place to put my talents uh, and invest my time in? Uh, That's fantastic. Once again, Heather MacArthur, I feel fortunate every week to be able to, uh, to talk to uh, folks like yourself that have such valuable advice. And Heather, the book, uh, Low Man on the Totem Pole, 
uh, is available online. Um, people can learn more all about uh, you and all about the tips that uh, that are provided in the book and hopefully get a copy for themselves at lowmenonthetotempole.com. Heather MacArthur, thanks so much for joining us and uh, hope to have you back on real soon. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Uh, get Down to Business is powered by our good friends at Tandem HR. Check them out, tandemhr.com. Give them a call, 630-928-0510. Download podcasts from this show and all of our hundreds of other interviews at shalomkline.com. We'll be back on next Sunday at 6 p.m. To success, let's get down to business.